0: There's a spirit in our land Raising up the kind of man With a burning in his heart To be free Like the preacher men of old He can't be bought He can't be sold What did they preach? They preached liberty all who love their liberty. Liberty to exercise of their God-given right granted them at the time of their birth. The right to speak their arms and pray, worship God on land and say, from bad law we will keep our people free. Through the jury we'll guard our liberty. All the king into accounting for his disregard of law told their people not to yield before his threats for god established rulers to protect the rights of man and ordained government to fit into his plan to maintain his people's liberty liberty to exercise all their. god and right granted them at the time of their birth the right to speak their arms and pray worship God and land and say from their law we will keep our people free through the jewelry we'll guard our liberty your men today. we choose to acquit. The state was wrong. To charge him this law is not fit for a people who love their liberty, for a people who will die for liberty.
1: Greetings, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to the Voice of Liberty. This is Rick Tyler thanking you. For tuning in to this broadcast, today we want to begin in the book of Joshua. And in Joshua, beginning in the first chapter with the first verse, we read, Now after the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, it came to pass that the Lord spake unto Joshua, the son of Nun, Moses' minister, saying, Moses, my servant is dead. Now therefore arise. Arise. Go over this Jordan, thou and all this people, unto the land which I do give to them, even to the children of Israel, every place that the sole of your foot shall tread upon, that have I given unto you, as I said unto Moses, from the wilderness and this Lebanon, even unto the great river, the river Euphrates, all the land of the Hittites and unto the great sea toward the going down of the sun shall be your coast. There shall not any man be able to stand before thee all the days of thy life. As I was with Moses, so I will be with thee. I will not fail thee, nor forsake thee. Be strong and of a good courage, for unto this people shalt thou divide for an inheritance the land which I swear unto their fathers to give them. Only be thou strong and very courageous, that thou mayest observe to do according to all the law, which Moses, my servant, commanded thee. Turn not from it to the right hand or to the left, that thou mayest prosper whithersoever thou goest. Now in these verses of Scripture, of course we have a historical account. And never forget that the Bible, the Word of God, even though the the sneering and cynical and unbelieving world considers it to be a book of fairy tales, let us not forget for one split second that instead what it is, is it is the revelation from Almighty God to His people. It is the revelation of truth. It is accurate in its history. It is accurate in its science. It is accurate in its prophetic utterances. It is accurate in every way. Because once again, it is God-breathed. It is given by inspiration of God. And it gives to us today, it gives us a historical account of what transpired in days past, In the lives and in the circumstances of our people, our ancestors, the people of the Israelite nation. And remember, of course, as well, that there is a counterfeit Israel in the world today. There is an imposter people, an imposter nation. And this, of course, is the way of the enemy of truth. The counterfeit is his specialty, his stock and trade. He loves to to pose as that which he is not. Of course, he seeks to usurp the power and the throne of God Almighty. And we must be wise as serpents, Our God would not have us to be ignorant. Our God wants us to know the truth, that we might be set free, that we might be liberated from the chains of bondage. We live, of course, in a time in history where, paradoxically, although there in many ways is greater access to truth than ever before, despite that fact, ignorance abounds in an unprecedented fashion the scripture of course says professing themselves to be wise they became fools and we know today that a great many of our people of our our racial kinsmen who profess to be adherents to the new covenant faith a great many of them are ignorant they are devoid of very foundational, pillar-type truths upon which one must build their worldview. Without certain core foundational truths, it is inevitable that people will wind up in a sea of error, that they will be inundated with false beliefs and the confusion and the blindness that comes about as a result of adherence to those false notions, those false precepts. In very real ways, it is tragic to the nth degree that unnecessarily many among us have chosen the pathway of error and continue to right up to this present moment. The good is often the enemy of the best in this world. In other words, something that that by modern standards of comparison looks pretty good is the clear-cut enemy of the best. And of course, the best is always the pure, undiluted, unmitigated, uncompromised truth of Almighty God. There are major areas that the modern professing church of Jesus Christ and the world of supposedly conservative truth-seeking politics, there are many, many foundational areas, areas where both of these spheres of endeavor are sorely amiss in their conclusions and in their ability to understand. And of course, Jesus said, when the blind lead the blind, both wind up, in the ditch. And so today we have false leadership. False leadership is out front seeking to gain and garner an ever-increasing following among those who would otherwise be inclined toward the seeking out of truth. Very often when you attempt to sit down and lay out for somebody, a friend, an acquaintance, a relative, when you sit down and seek to lay out for them truth that they are deficient in, truth of a rather profound nature, you will be met with opposition in the form of them pointing out to you that certain iconic, well-known leaders in the political or religious world don't adhere to the ideas that you are seeking to introduce them to. Sometimes they will come right out and admit that on that basis alone, they are going to reject what you are trying to tell them. The premise or the notion being that if what you are seeking to impart to them were true, then surely these great iconic leadership figures would know this already and would be communicating these ideas to people on a widespread basis. Of course, nothing could be further from the truth because very often the reason that these leaders are of an iconic type nature, the reason that they are very advanced in their stature in the eyes of the people is for the very reason that they have forsaken hardcore truth. The truth that challenges people to lay everything, even their life itself, on the line. Yes, it is easy to go only part way down the road to truth. And again, by the standards of the day, look like you are quite advanced in your pursuit of the truth. But in reality, by the hardcore standards of comparison, you're woefully deficient. So many of these leadership figures, in fact, not many of them, virtually all of them, they stop far short of dealing with the hardcore subjects of truth. Many remember the Ron Paul era back in 2008-2012 when Congressman Ron Paul ran for president and stirred up quite a hornet's nest of interest and activity. He gained a certain measure of traction amongst the, the ranks of younger people. There was a lot of excitement in the political world and throughout the nation as Ron Paul spoke of subject matter that was overwhelmingly swept under the rug by the more mainstream political figures. Of course, Ron Paul, from the earliest days of his political career, back in the early 1980s, told people about the private nature of the Federal Reserve Bank. And he specialized in explaining to people about constitutional principles, and especially as concerns the private banking cartel. Ron Paul was an advocate of liberty in many ways and constitutional governance. And compared to the political hacks that that he was surrounded by, he was an immense and enormous breath of fresh air. Many people were excited that in 2008 he seemed to be breaking out, positioning himself to actually be a potential viable contender, utilizing the modern mechanisms of the internet to, to do what was called money bombs and raise millions of dollars in a single day. And so again, many people were enthused and excited about Ron Paul and they got on board the Ron Paul train. They became devotees of Ron Paul and his political movement. And of course, we know that what happened was that when Ron Paul actually began to become a threat to upend the apple cart and destabilize the existing order, the compromise sold out Republican Party. What happened? Well, they did what they always do they moved the goalpost in the middle of the game, they changed the rules, they engaged in all types of backroom chicanery and machinations in order to steal primary elections from Ron Paul. Of course, the controlled partisan media could be counted on to portray and depict. Ron Paul, as though he was some type of oddity, some type of kook, wacko, conspiracy theorist, you know all the terminology. But even Ron Paul fell far short of dealing with hardcore truth. For instance, back at that time, we weren't that far removed from 9 11. 9 11 had occurred at the turn of the millennium in that period of time, and Ron Paul attributed the events of 9 11 to what he called blowback. 9 11 Uh, said Ron Paul as he essentially spouted the party line about what happened on that day. 9-11, he said, occurred because of blowback, because of our meddling and our intervention in the Middle East. It was the natural result that terrorists from the Middle East would come to America and seek to inflict a mortal wound upon us, such as what 9-11 was portrayed as. In the process, of course, Ron Paul, we have to believe, consciously chose to ignore the fact that 9-11 was a massive case of controlled demolition and other uh, equally egregious type false flag activities that were executed by the very power structure, the deep state intelligence community of America, which, of course, Ron Paul would readily admit that he, as a congressman, had no idea what the CIA was up to. He would say that on occasion publicly when arguing for the minimization of the power of the CIA. But again, Ron Paul refused to come right out and simply call a spade a spade, simply point to the obvious. Talk about Building 7. Talk about the anomalies that that numbered in the hundreds about 9-11. Talk about the fact that the Pentagon could have in no way been hit by an aircraft such as was advanced in the official narrative. And when Ron Paul supporters were queried about this, why won't Ron Paul deal with 9-11 head-on, they were told, well, if he were to dabble in that type of conspiratorial subject matter, there's no way that Ron Paul could get elected to the presidency. Well, there was no way he could get elected to the presidency anyways, was there? We saw readily and handily uh, just how Ron Paul was dealt with by the political establishment, and his refusal to go the full distance into the truth really made no difference in terms of his ultimate fate Politically, Ron Paul, of course, eventually uh, faded off uh, into the periphery. Of course, he still is influential on some level, but after 2012, of course, his advancing years uh, made it uh, something other than viable for him to try to continue on and keep running for president. But Ron Paul was a classic illustration of this phenomenon of which I'm speaking of somebody who, compared to the standards of the day, is really, really on the cutting edge, but, but in fact is far short of the real cutting edge, where the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth resides. Now, if we fast forward to 2016, we find the rise of Donald Trump essentially replicating the same patterns as the Ron Paul phenomenon, except in this case, Donald Trump was actually elected to the presidency. Donald Trump, of course, was not uh, perceived as being even as radical and hardcore as Ron Paul. Ron Paul, of course, was always referenced and, and referred to as a libertarian. Donald Trump, of course, came to the table as what appeared to be a political novice, somebody who had heretofore not been involved in politics, uh, other than being a contributor, a donor, an influential party uh, in the, uh, the periphery or behind the scenes, but in 2016, Donald Trump emerged as a front-runner candidate in the very crowded Republican field, and of course, he brought to the table his reputation as an, a successful billionaire a man who had successfully navigated uh, the waters of entrepreneurship, who had built an empire, a multi-billion dollar real estate empire, an empire that, of course, had its tentacles deep into the hospitality industry with casinos, hotels, golf courses, etc. Donald Trump, of course, had also achieved stardom in the entertainment realm. He had become a bona fide celebrity, with his apprentice shows and celebrity apprentice shows. And of course, he was always an exceedingly colorful, uh, very flamboyant, uh, very high-profile individual who over the years had openly talked about and had been approached by many other parties with the potentiality and the inquiry as to whether or not he ever aspired to the presidency of the United States. When 2016 rolled around, of course, Donald Trump came on like gangbusters, and he made the full-blown commitment to the pursuit of the presidency. And, of course, the nation by 2016 had endured eight years of the Obama presidencies. Of course, many of us believe that Obama never really was a legitimate president, just as Joe Biden is not a legitimate president. Instead, Obama was an imposter. He was a bogus, a false, an illegitimate uh, representative of the nation occupying the White House uh, illegitimately again and and without just uh, cause and pretense. But at any rate, nevertheless, reality is what it is, and Obama was in the White House. He was, in a titular sense, he was considered to be the president, and of course he was thereby able— to do a great deal of damage to the extent that any one man really does run the country, which, of course, it's arguable that, that no one man could possibly run the country as complicated and as intricate and involved as the nation has become and as uh, very complicated as the affairs of state have become in this modern era. But nevertheless, the titular president was Obama for eight years, and chaos ensued. Horrific and terrible results came to pass as a direct offshoot of the supposed presidency of Barack Obama. So in 2016, of course, Trump had a rich and fertile field to deal with and to sow seeds of truth in because the nation, in many respects, on a rather broad scale, was fed up, was sick and tired of the insanity uh, that reigned supreme under the years of Obama. Trump, of course, addressed certain red meat issues that anybody with any degree of conservative instincts or patriotic or constitutional instincts can't help but warm up to. He talked, of course, about the illegal immigration phenomenon. And of course, everybody in their right mind realizes that the opening up of the floodgates and allowing the masses of the third world to come into America has been a very debilitating phenomenon in the recent history of our country. The fact that we have tens of millions of people, probably, who are of that illegal alien status is a great blow to this nation, a tremendous detriment. And Donald Trump was adept at pointing out the severity of this issue and the need to correct this problem. Of course, he came out of the starting gate talking about building a wall on the southern border, talking about the fact that coming from Mexico and other Latin American countries uh, was, in fact, to a very, very great degree, the riffraff of those territorial regions, that we were not receiving the exemplary upstanding members of their societies, but rather uh, many people who were outright criminals, rapists, murderers, etc. Of course, he was excoriated and he was taken to task for making these characterizations, and it was falsely portrayed that he had labeled everybody who crossed the southern border illegally as being a murderer or a rapist or a drug dealer or something of that nature. Of course he never said that, but he did accurately point to the fact that a great many of the illegals that came into America were of a sullied type reputation. They were not the kind of people that you would ever, under any circumstances, want to invite into your nation. He talked about building a wall. He talked about making Mexico pay for the building of the wall. Of course, Trump proved himself in the political theater, just as he had done in his uh, other areas of endeavor and success. He proved himself uh, to be a master in terms of marshaling insults and marginalizing opponents who might otherwise stand in his way. The... 17-plus competitive candidates that stood up against him seeking the nomination of the Republican Party one by one were picked off by his very skillful and adept methods and tactics of dealing with people in a public-type setting. And again, utilizing his remarkable ability to marshal an insult and to hang a label on somebody that had a way of sticking and then characterizing and marginalizing them in the eyes of other people. Trump, again, proved himself to be masterful in the manner in which he navigated uh, these political waters, which he had uh, immersed himself in at this point in time. And of course, it didn't take long before it began to become rather apparent, the handwriting was on the wall, that Trump was on his way to the Republican nomination. Now, of course, uh, certain of the more establishment, sold out uh, type Republicans they began to try to play dirty pool with Trump like they had with Ron Paul, but he was a far more formidable force. First of all, he had those more legitimized outsider credentials. Ron Paul, after all, had been in government since intermittently since the early 1980s. Donald Trump had never run for or been elected to office previous to his running for the presidency. He also carried with him the aura of being the successful billionaire businessman. And of course, the simplistic thinking goes that if a man can build a multi-billion dollar business empire, then he should know how to run the government like a business. And of course, once Trump was elected, he did apply certain of those basic business principles to the running of the government, and he did begin to turn many things around in terms of policies and actual practices and results in this cause-and-effect type economic system that we live in. So again, Trump, one by one, he picked off his opponents, and ultimately it came down to him simply having to outmaneuver the more establishment figures in the Republican Party so that they could not steal the nomination from him. Trump, of course, became president. The vitriolic insane leftist factions of our country, sought to pull out all the stops, even from allowing him to be sworn in. They tried to foment chaos in the nation's capital. They did everything imaginable and conceivable to try to keep him from being seated as the president, as the 45th president of the United States. All of their efforts, of course, ultimately failed. Trump proceeded forward. He did give a very very stirring inaugural address. He talked about the lofty concepts of turning the government and the state and the nation back over to the people to whom it rightfully belonged. He uttered many of the the very, uh, very desirable platitudes that, that people who supported him wanted to hear, were desperate to believe in. And Trump emerged out of the 2016 candidacy and election and Swearing into the office of the presidency, he emerged as a larger than life figure for a very, very substantial number of people in the country. Many people, of course, viewed him as a borderline, God-anointed savior who was going to pull the nation out of the tailspin that it was in, that he was going to pump and restore pump into and restore life to the body politic in the nation in a way that that was such a rarity in the times that we're living in that it was the proverbial breath of fresh air uh, to the greatest, greatest extent and a degree imaginable. Many people, even in the fundamentalist, uh, supposedly Bible-believing religious community, uh, were uttering uh, supposedly prophetic utterances about the fact that Trump was uh, being prophesied to serve two terms and that that this was an act and a work and a move of God And so all of this, of course, was part and parcel of the advent of the Trump presidency and the Trump phenomenon. Of course, he continued his swashbuckling type style, using Twitter to agitate and enrage his enemies. He continued to single-handedly stand against many of the established forces, treaties, accords, etc., removing America from full-blown participation in certain globalist schemes. Yes, Trump did many of the right things. And of course, before he was even sworn in, there was an unmistakable rallying in the stock market because confidence was swirling around due to the fact that the perception existed that somebody was getting ready to take the helm that actually knew something about running a business, knew something about profits and losses, knew something about marketing, knew something about building a business empire, which could in many ways be viewed as being analogous to being able to take the Leviathan, the massive governmental structure of America, and marshal its vast and, and far-flung resources to build a successful business-type model upon which to achieve unprecedented levels of success. So there was this buoyed sense of optimism. The stock market began to, to register approval and optimism before Trump was even sworn in. And then, of course, once he began to actually do some of those rudimentary things that are integral to and central to the restoration of prosperity, cutting taxes slashing regulations, restoring energy production to peak levels, etc., etc. When he began to do these things, there was a predictable result. It's a cause and effect world, after all. When you unleash the genius of uh, free enterprise and and economic prosperity, there will inevitably be positive results, and there were. And the economy, even though it was still languishing under trillions of dollars of debt, it nevertheless exhibited an illusion of prosperity. It seemed like happy days were here again. It seemed like, once again, America might have the world by the tail. China, of course, communist China, which is a menace to liberty on every conceivable level, communist China was beginning to be put in its place by the stronger guiding influence and in hand of this new president who was doing things the old-fashioned way in many respects. And so again, the economy, despite the multi-trillion dollar debt, which of course is that, that factor that continues to be relegated to the sidelines, and as a result, of course, it gets ignored even though it will ultimately and undeniably and in a way that can't be prevented, it will eventually have to be reckoned with and dealt with. But again, despite that multi-trillion dollar debt that people were, were just simply diverted away from the acknowledgement of, the economy seemed to be roaring. And there was a level of optimism that was brimming, that was escalating. And as Trump moved into the final, or getting close to moving into the final year of his four year term, it seemed like a very probable slam dunk that he would be handily reelected. He, of course, was registering. A support amongst the non-white communities of the country, the Latino and the, the African and even the Asian communities of the country that were significantly superior to any of his Republican predecessors in recent history. And of course, as it turned out, even in the the bogus election that we ultimately experienced in 2020, he did achieve greater levels of support amongst those so-called minority communities than any of his predecessors. But we all know what happened in 2020, don't we? We all know that as part of a pre-planned agenda, that a phony outbreak of a fake pandemic, it was unleashed to turn the tide that had been building for the first three years of Trump's presidency. We know that earlier, much earlier, in 2019, that it had been stated by none other than Dr. Fauci that Trump not might be, but would absolutely would be having to deal with an outbreak of an epidemic slash pandemic before his presidency ended. How did Dr. Fauci know this? Well, Dr. Fauci knew this because he was up to his eyeballs in complicity and involvement with the creation of, the rolling out of, and the unleashing of this Force that operated under the guise of a COVID-19 epidemic slash pandemic. This was all planned. It was all orchestrated. It had been predicted and foretold in operations going all the way back to the turn of the millennium. Operation Dark Winter. Operation Lockstep. And then, of course, the operation that was conducted under the auspices of the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation, actually in Wuhan, China, immediately prior to the commencement of the pandemic onslaught. So again, all of this was planned. And of course, it would be very naive to believe that within the Trump camp, within his administration, that there was not full knowledge of this new world order globalist agenda that had been being foretold of and that exercises of the very same thing had been entered into intermittently since the turn of the millennium. Certainly there were intellectual forces within the Trump administration itself, within the Republican Party, who knew about all of this. They knew about this new world order Agenda, Manifesto, Blueprint for Action. And we would be remarkably naive to think that Trump himself did not know about it. Now, of course, we know that rumblings began to be issued forth late in uh, 2019 about a coming possible virus outbreak. We know that the news began to filter out that in Wuhan, China, there had been the the going forth of this COVID-19 virus. We were subjected, of course, to some very sophisticated propaganda relative to what supposedly was going on in the east in China. We were given news about how China was locking down Uh, the portion of their nation, their society that was most affected by and afflicted with this viral outbreak. We, of course, were shown uh, very, very vivid uh, propaganda-type reports about the, the forceful quarantining of people in China. And, of course, all the while we were being warned, we were being told that that this viral outbreak was inevitably coming to American shores, that in an age such as this of international travel, that it was inevitable that it was coming here, coming to America. And then, of course, computer models began to be generated, showing predicted levels at which the virus would permeate and inundate different countries of the world, including America. America. Grim and draconian forecasts were gradually being bandied about to the effect that as many as 2 million people could quite possibly die in America as a result of the COVID-19 outbreak. And sure enough, of course, cases then began to pop up. And so the time arrived relatively early into 2020 that Donald Trump, with his Medical supposed professionals, people whom he referred to as highly intelligent, Dr. Fauci being one of them, with them flanking him, he announced a state of emergency for America. He made a formal declaration of emergency, and in so doing, he was then able to invoke emergency powers. Now, of course, we know that going all the way back to the Nixon administration, that under the guise of FEMA, the Federal Emergency Management Agency, that hypotheticals were set in motion for how the executive branch of government could rule by decree in cases of national emergency. And so this process that had begun long ago, going as far back as the Nixon administration in terms of its formality, it was now readily seized upon by Donald Trump as the state of emergency was declared in America. And we know that then governors all throughout the nation proceeded to declare states of emergency in their respective states. And very quickly, action was taken to systematically shut down the American economy. To force people into modalities of behavior that were catastrophic in terms of how detrimental they were to the overall economy as well as the financial security, independence, and well-being of the people as individuals, as communities, as families. Businesses, of course, were sacrificed to an extraordinary degree during the outworking of this process in 2020. Over 100,000 restaurants were permanently closed in 2020 as a result of what turned out to be categorically and undeniably a fake pandemic, a phony COVID-19 ruse, a pretense to advance the cause of the new world order by vast proportions. And of course, that is precisely what happened. Donald Trump, of course, went right along with the whole ruse and even continues to now, still to this day, boasting of his achievements in the rolling out of a COVID-19 vaccine. Of course, we know the name of the vaccination program was warp speed. In other words, the connotation being we are going to rush this vaccine into production, and of course even the announcements that the military would play a key and central role in Operation Warp Speed. It was obvious early on in the, the developmental stages of the COVID-19 fraud that major players in the realm of commerce and in the realm of retail business that they were on board and had significant advanced knowledge. The Walmarts, the Amazons, the, the big titans of industry obviously all had advanced knowledge. They were very quick in their ability to roll out responsive type programs that dovetailed with the United Nations globalist terminology and lexicon of verbiage stickers to put put on the floors of businesses and on the doors instructing people about such things as social distancing and of course mask wearing and even quarantining the verbiage and the terminology emerged about sheltering in place in other words a euphemistic term that means house arrest being a prisoner basically in your own home well suffice it to say the COVID fraud has done more to eviscerate liberty and freedom and prosperity in America than anything else could have possibly been counted on to do short of possibly out the outbreak of, of global Military conflagration. And that, of course, is probably coming as one of the next shoes to drop. And again, we know that this past weekend at CPAC, the Conservative Political Action Committee, that has its high profile events that are very well publicized. We know that at the CPAC event this past weekend, Donald Trump gave. A keynote type address on Sunday, and it was very quickly evidenced and manifested that, that undeniably he is still the indisputable king of the Republican Party and can be counted on to continue to issue forth a mixed message. On the one hand, the tickling of the ears of the people with, with the type of words that we love to hear about fighting the fake news industry, about fighting the globalist uh, effort to make us be something other than, drastically other than America first. Yes, Donald Trump knows how to push the right buttons. He knows how to exhilarate and enthrall and excite his base of support. And, of course, it is known by uh, the people who operate at the highest echelons of political power and manipulation It is readily known and understood that by and large the people will overlook the glaring inconsistencies such as what I am speaking of because they so desperately yearn for a deliverer, for a savior, for somebody who can make war on the enemy and lead them into what they believe would be the promised land of prosperity and the restoration of Americana, red, white, and blue fever, the chanting of USA, USA at Trump rallies, all of these lukewarm exhibitions of and manifestations of a superficial brand of patriotism. I hate to have to be so harsh in the categorizing of people and the explanation of their deficiencies, but this is reality. Now, turning back to our opening passages of Scripture in Joshua, Remember the third verse we read that every place that the sole of your foot shall tread upon, that have I given unto you as I said unto Moses. Now it didn't matter that the Israelites had had gotten themselves rather messed up uh, in the vernacular. Uh, They had messed things up uh, pretty horrifically in the years preceding their exodus out of Egypt and of course in the years preceding their entrance into the promised land. Remember, it was just on the heels of the Exodus that they were fashioning the golden calf. And of course, it was interesting at the CPAC event, there was a golden statue of Donald Trump present that a man reportedly spent his life savings creating and is now trying to sell for $100,000. And of course, it was rather interesting in its appearance. But it was shiny, uh, golden-type external appearance, and of course it elicited some comparisons to the Israelites and the golden calf, because there's always a danger that a man can be transformed into an idol, into a focal point of idolatry, the cult of personality, as it is often called. But at any rate, in these verses that we started with, and specifically in verse 3, we know that it says to Israel that every place that the sole of their foot would tread upon that he had given unto them. And it didn't matter uh, that they had made the mistakes that they had made, that they had fallen into the the traps and the pitfalls that they had fallen into, uh, both in Egypt during their bondage there, as well as in the wilderness during the 40 years prior to their entrance into the to the promised land. Despite these foibles and these failings on the part of Israel, God was still giving them that which he had promised to them, to their forebears, going all the way back to Abraham specifically. Now again, we're talking about the true Israelites, not the counterfeit. Remember, there's a counterfeit Israel in this world today. They are not to be mistaken for the genuine article. If you make that sophomoric error of believing that the counterfeit is the genuine article, then you will be off course, virtually irreparably, until you correct that course, and you will not be able to understand the truth of God's Word, nor will you be able to understand and properly interpret and decipher What is going on in the world around you today? So, again, we're talking about true Israel, not counterfeit Israel. The people of the Western world, people of Anglo Saxon, Celtic, Germanic, Scandinavian, and kindred heritage, the true Israelites. It doesn't matter that we have had the failings and the foibles and the frailties that we have over the the decades and the generations. There have nevertheless been given to us certain promises which our they are ours for the taking. Second Chronicles 7.14 is always there at our beck and call, at our fingertips to be latched onto, to be laid hold of, to be invoked in our quest for emancipation from the bondage that we now languish under. And just like it was virtually inevitable that Israel was going to go into the promised land that they were then going to be able to fight the battles and vanquish the evil forces that occupied and inhabited that promised land so too is it within the scope and purview of our destiny and ability to lay hold of the promises that have been bequeathed to us and our forebears in this present time that we're living in but We have to be willing to step forward. Remember, the Israelite spies went in preliminarily. They went into the promised land, and 10 of the 12 came back and gave a very negative, very dismal, uh, very uninspiring report on their foray into the promised land. But Joshua and Caleb, on the other hand, stood firmly on the fact that although the land was inhabited by giants, although it was menacing in terms of what it represented in the way of a challenge to the Israel people at that time, that it was nevertheless the land of promise. It was a land that flowed with milk and honey, and they were brimming with confidence. They exhibited a spirit, an aura, an attitude of confidence as to their, not only their ability, but the inevitable destiny that they had to take that promised land. And of course, that is precisely what they did with Joshua, a general uh, leading the charge, if you will, leading the, the battles that then proceeded to ensue systematically over the years to come until Israel fulfilled their destiny in terms of taking dominion of, power over, and control of that promised land. Now, I would like to suggest to you that In certain ways, here in America, and America clearly, is the guiding light nation of the world. This is a special country, if there ever was one. And the manner in which America came into existence, the cast of characters that God used on the world stage at that time, the miraculous sequence of events that that brought about the birth of this republic, All of this is unique in its historical proportions. And yet I would dare suggest to you that that we have not yet fully realized our potential on this American landmass and on this North American landmass as well, even beyond the, the formal borders of our nation today. Yes, we have promises yet to be fulfilled. And nevertheless, we must acquire that confidence, that spirit that was exhibited by the Israelites that we read about in the first chapter of Joshua and beyond. That is what we are going to have to rekindle in the days ahead if we hope to survive the juggernaut, the onslaught that is coming against us in murderous, proportions right at this present moment, wanting to, to destroy us, to outright murder us, to perpetrate genocide against us. If we are to stand up to and defeat that evil force, which we are very much capable of with the empowerment of our great and mighty God, then we must take certain steps. We must do things in a certain way as time unfolds. And, of course, one thing that we must do is we must ascertain between deception and truth. We must realize when we're being hoodwinked and bamboozled, even by those within the ranks of our own camp, if you will. I would like to tell you how you can communicate with us if you would like to. You can write to Post Office Box 274, Etowah, E-T-O-W-A-H, Tennessee, 37331. Or you can call us at 423-241-7902. Or you can email us at voiceofliberty1776 at gmail.com. We welcome your communication. Look forward to hearing from you. There is a remnant of God's people that are doubtlessly being raised up at this time. And it is quite likely that in the days ahead, that we will have the opportunity, those of us who choose to be counted among that remnant, we will have the opportunity to stand in the gap for the land in a way that has been virtually unknown in our lifetime. There are things that are happening that are extraordinary, to say the least, that, again, in our lifetime are unprecedented. Now, we know there's nothing new under the sun, of course, according to Solomon, but in our lifetime, in our relatively modern era, let's say even in the last century, uh, there are things that are developing and evolving right now that are and will be unprecedented uh, looking back on that period of time that I'm alluding to. And we must be ready to seize the moment. We must be ready to avail ourselves of, of all opportunity, opportunity, of all resources that our great and mighty covenant God uh, might choose to put at our disposal. Yes, we have the power, we have the ability as our Messiah, as our Savior said, to do greater things even than what he did when he was uh, traversing the earth and carrying out his earthly ministry. We will have in the days ahead the opportunity to lay hold of and pick up the spiritual weaponry spoken of in Ephesians chapter 6, which has long been dormant in our midst. Because you see, until the people of God are willing to cast off the lies and the deception and the error and the false leadership in their ranks, and instead turn back to the purity of the truth of Almighty God, until that happens, and unless that happens, the ability to wield that weapon, or the weapons, plural, of our warfare which Paul said are not carnal, but mighty to the pulling down of strongholds, our ability to wield that weaponry is contingent upon us tearing down the idols in our midst today. Dealing with the compromises, with the forsaking of truth. And of course, very importantly, walking in the truth of who we are and what we are. And what our legacy is, what our heritage is, what our power is. If we would but choose to invoke it and to utilize it. If we take the steps that I am referencing here, then we could very well witness the unfolding of opportunity that, quite frankly, will be of such a startling, exhilarating nature that it will leave many people speechless, and in its wake, it will give us an opportunity to achieve great and glorious things in the mighty name of Jesus Christ, our King. And remember, the American Revolution's motto was, no king, but King Jesus. Are you ready to put King Jesus on the throne? Are you ready to acquiesce to his supremacy, to his headship? Are you ready to march into battle, into the the promised land that awaits us if we will properly fight the war against evil? Well, if so, I encourage you to continue to join us as we talk about the rudiments and the basics of how we might move in this direction. Until our next time together, this is Rick Tyler thanking you for tuning in and asking for God's blessing and protection upon your life.
0: We need such preacher men today to show our people the way to redeem their lost liberty. The fires of hell do not prevail against one man who'll take a stand from the cold death exposed tyranny and teach his people liberty.